0: This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at Hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. for your Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your, pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome back, everybody, episode 288 of Get Paid for Your Pad. My guest today, his name is John William Johnson. He's the CEO and founder of All About Health Network, and he's also an Airbnb host. He rents out cars on Get Around, which we'll talk about, and he also is a digital nomad, likes to travel a lot, and he also likes to look after dogs in in exchange for free accommodation. So, lots of talk, lots to talk about. Uh, John, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, great to be here, Jasper. I've been a follower of yours for a long time. I appreciate your service to all of us out there.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You're very welcome. And I'm very excited to talk to you today because we have so much to talk about. But let's start with Airbnb because I think that's where it all started for you down there in uh, Portland, Oregon, right?
1: Yes. So, I have a house, a beautiful house in Portland that I've been. Here for 20 years, I had kind of an intentional community here, and then Airbnb came along, so I put one room on there, and then two rooms, and then realized you know it's a learning curve. So I found out about VRBO and realized that the sweet spot was somebody wants their own space. So I put the upstairs of my house on VRBO and Airbnb, and then slowly moved down to the basement, and then I realized. The three bedrooms is one thing, but there's not a lot of five bedrooms out there. So I put five bedrooms up and started staying on Airbnb places when I rented the house out. And then ended up living in another house, renting my house out. And then the laws changed. The laws have been wonky here. And uh, now I'm phasing out of doing short-term vacation rentals because the bureaucracy is taking place here. When did you start renting out? Probably, gosh, it's 10 years. How long? How long has there been around now, 2006 or something like that?
0: <laughs> well, they were founded in 2008, but uh, it took a couple of years before yes. people started catching yes. on. Yeah. So you've been a host for a long, long time then, huh? Yes. Well, Can you, can you share like your top advice for people that uh, are looking to start out?
1: Well, um, yeah, so I would say, like most things, when you're doing it, you have a sensibility and start thinking it's something that's great and easy. So it's usually the qualities of people that would want to get involved are early adapters, willing to take a risk, and then liking people. The hosting thing, I've just met so many amazing people. And it's one of those weird things, Jasper, where you're listening to the the news and it's like everything is about fear and oh my god you're gonna write out your house to people you don't know they're gonna wreck your house they're gonna steal from you and i mean i've had bands stay with me young kids that are like in a band and they come to my house and i'm like they're sweethearts they're just i've just met so many wonderful people and i don't have a lot of horror stories i mean i had some mild things but basically as long as you are willing to take a little bit of a risk and then you know trial and error, see what happens. I tend to talk to people before they come. So I don't know about doing instant bookings until you really feel comfortable with what you're doing, but knowing who's coming. So I, I stay away from, we all have our markets, right? So I stay away from 20-somethings, people who are coming down for bachelor parties or weddings. My sweet spot has been families that are here to visit people, their kids or whatever, or graduations or, yeah. And that being said, I just had a bunch of twenty uh, somethings who were here to party, and they made a mess. They ruined some of my pots, but in general, it was worth it. It was okay.
0: Awesome. Well, that's good advice. You know, whenever you start something new, it's always it's always a little daunting. Sometimes, you know, you don't know what to expect, and so that's, that's a very good advice for people. You know, just give it a shot. Um, let's talk about uh, get-arounds and your cars that you've been renting out, because this could be an interesting interesting little side business for other people as well. One is to supply your own car to people that are staying at your place, but potentially also getting a few extra cars to rent those out. So let's
1: hear it. How's renting out cars on, on get-around? Yes. So this is car sharing. So there's all sorts of new opportunities. You can be a driver with Uber. There's a lot of car sharing Services out there, get around and tour, are probably the most popular. Uh, get around uh, is only in certain areas, so Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington. At this point, I think there might be some new places opening up. So, the idea is you put your car available on their website, you get an app, uh, they take your car. And put a device in your car. You have one of the RFD things where your key is in an RFD uh, packet and it's in the car. And somebody looks on the app to see what cars are available in their area and how much they are. And then they just go to the house, to the car and uh, rent the car. So the difference between Turo and get around is get around. I don't need to be there when they come to see the car, to get the car. With Turo, usually I hand them the keys. I don't do Turo at this point. So there's pluses and minuses with the kind of people and where you're located. So the average, I don't even know if it's the average, but probably if you're doing it right, you can bring in six to 700 bucks a month with your car it's one of those things where it fits into the short-term vacation rental model is if you've got an extra car or even your own car and you don't use it that much, you can make it available to your guests. And so instead of renting from Hertz or budget, they could rent from you and you set your prices. So on get around, you know, they like it if you're willing to rent for as little as an hour. So you might make six bucks in an hour. If they rented a whole day with my cars, it's somewhere around 36 bucks for a day.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know what? I'm actually using a similar service in Barcelona quite a lot. And it's called Drivee. I guess it's uh, kind of the European version of uh, Getaround because uh, what I love about it is that I don't have to meet anybody to open the car. Essentially, I look on the app I find the car and they're usually parked in like parking garages nearby my house. I just walk over and I can unlock the
1: car with the app. Yes. I love the eighty twenty rule of the bell curve, you know. So the ideal situation you're in the middle of a city, so it's kind of like the catch 22 to the ideal situation would be if you're in a well-trafficked area. I'm in kind of the suburbs, so it usually is somebody who lives near me that's going to rent, but there's not as much access as if I was closer into town. Now, this, the other part of that is you need to be able to park the car somewhere. So <laughs> depending on the city, if you have to pay for parking, that gets to be problematic. So I'm imagining with the cars that you're dealing with, they've got a special spot in the parking lot where they either rent it on a monthly basis or I don't know how it is. But yeah, so those are some of the issues. And the nice thing about Get Around is they're really, really great in terms of customer service and working with you to find out what the sweet spot is. So I called and talked to them about the ideal car. So the crazy thing is, if you're just doing it for money and not just a car you already own, uh the best car to get is probably not a new car for sure. And you could even lease a car for, you know, ninety-nine to one hundred and ninety-nine bucks a month. And if you're making six hundred on it, uh you can scale pretty easily. And then before you mentioned
0: something important, I think you said if you do it right. And so I would love to know what what's
1: your advice, like what is doing it the right way. Yeah. So there's two sweet spots, three, so old enough to where you don't have to pay that much for the car. So you can get a car for five grand, that's maybe 2011, 2012, uh, where you don't pay that much for it. If you make them 700 bucks a month and you pay five grand for it, you've made three grand in the first year. The other thing would be an electric car, because part of the issue that's the, the hard part of this is every time somebody rents a car, they bring the car back. You got to check the car out to see if they put gas back in the car and fill the tank, or if there's any scratches or nicks on the car, or if they smoked in it or did anything weird. The nice thing about get around is if the person doesn't fill a car up with gas, you take a picture and send it to get around and they charge the customer and you go to fill the tank up, they pay for it. And they give you 15 bucks for your time. And they fixed my car so many times because there's been dings and nicks on them, uh, but it all requires me or a staff person to go look at the car every time somebody rents it, which can be a pain in the butt, if, especially if you're scaling, you know, and have six or seven cars. Uh, you'd either want to have help or you'd have a car old enough to where a couple of scratches don't matter that much. So the second sweet spot is an electric car (laughs) where you don't have to deal with gas, where the customer probably likes that a little bit more too, where there's no gas involved. And then the other is just the location that you're in. So leasing the car versus buying it. Yeah. What your credit is like, you know, how many cars do you really want to get? I would think to start, you just want to do it on the car that you're using with your house. And quite frankly, to be quite honest, most of my rentals are not through people who are staying at my house i haven't really pushed that that much because most people come into the airport and they i don't want to put the car at the airport i haven't gotten to that level of sophistication you could probably have a car that you'd have a spot at the airport for
0: yeah Yeah, there was actually a platform for that uh i I think it was called like flight car or something but uh, i think it's not operational anymore So let's talk about the insurance. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen to this and they have a car and they might think, okay, well, I don't want people to damage my car. So how does it work with the insurance? Like Gary fixes it if it's broken?
1: Yeah, they've been unbelievable. They've been really great. So like a sweet spot, I have a woman who printed my car, a lot of people in the world, doesn't have enough money to buy a car, but she works, she works a lot, she needs a car to work. So she started renting my car, really loves the car, and she's had this my car for three months now, three or four months, and I'm getting probably a thousand bucks, 800, at least 800 a month. Yes, so they cover the insurance, And they're really good as long as you check the car. So she had an accident while she had my car. And it was the other person's fault. And they took the car and did an assessment of how much damage there was. It was like $3,000. And I haven't even gotten the car back to fix it yet. So they just went ahead and put the money in my account and then I'll get it fixed when I get the car back. Or <laughs> you know, you can look at the car and see how bad it is and see if you can fix it yourself and just pocket the money. Like I've had probably four thousand dollars in insurance claims right now that uh no, six thousand. Two thousand of which I had the car fixed and four thousand which is in my account and I can decide to fix it or not. So they're really good with all of the backup stuff. They make it almost there's nothing I can think of that would be a problem unless I was irresponsible and didn't check the car. But they're really good at insurance, about safety. So, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So if
0: somebody damages your car, let's say there's a dent in it, and you don't think it's big enough to, to even fix it, you'll still get around, will still pay you a certain amount of money to cover the, that damage, even if you're not going to fix it.
1: Yeah, so you you get, now I'm not sure if this is over time, like I'm a good customer or whatever, but let's say I have a ding. I show them the ding, and then I think they keep records of what your car looked like when you first started. And they say, okay, that's something that we should cover. This is how much it would cost to fix. And in, in the beginning, I didn't know any better, so I would just fix the car. But recently, for some reason, they said, do you want us to fix it or do you want the money? And so if it's something that's, you know, you could paint it over yourself, you know what? Body shops are ridiculous on one level, unless you know somebody who does body work. You know, there are people who can fix things really easily and cheaply. And then the places that do it as a living, they charge an enormous amount of money. So yeah, there's a way to literally pay for the car just with insurance claims over a year's time and you've got a couple more things so let, let's go to the negative side of this and this is one of those things where if any of your people are statisticians uh, this is a little crazy making so the person who rents the car can drive 200 miles a day that's, that's they get that for free in terms of the, if they rented the car they can drive up to 200 miles a day so I don't understand, basically, how you figure out how much it's costing you to rent your car. So if you go on in, I'm in the United States, in the United States, the IRS will give you 55 cents a mile for your business expense car expenses. Now, if somebody drives 200 miles, according to that metric, that's 110 dollars of cost. Now, if I've got a car that I paid seven grand for that's got 100,000 miles on it, is it really 55 cents a mile for me to maintain that car? I don't think so, but I don't really know for sure.
0: (laughs) Uh, That sounds like a lot of money. I don't think that's realistic at all.
1: No. (laughs)
0: Anyway, so when people drive your car, can you then use those miles to
1: report the most expenses? Ah, you know, as a business expense, I, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes insurance, like my personal insurance, is based on the miles in the car. There are metro miles here in the States where you pay per mile, so that would be a problem. But general insurance, it shouldn't be a problem. But as far as claiming those miles, so now we're into the gray areas, uh, I don't know how much time you was on black hat, white hat, and gray hat. For me, vacation rentals, In Portland, and you tell me if you want me to stop. They had originally, when they started the bureaucracy of permits, the permit that was easy to get was for renting two bedrooms with a maximum of five people. I had more than two bedrooms. I went to them and said, what about three bedrooms? They're like, well, we're still figuring this out. Just get the two bedroom, don't worry about it. Well, three bedrooms it's a whole other ballgame. It's $5,000 to apply. Uh, It can cost as much as $25,000 and it takes forever. So I tried to do it and they made it really hard. And I talked to people that are like government officials and they're like, I can't say this on the record, but you know, unless it's all complaint based here in Portland. So unless somebody complains, don't worry about it. Well, now they're cracking down. They're charging $5,000 if they catch you. So there was a spot there where you could do it and you're kind of in that gray area where the laws aren't that clear. And then, to me, the money's in the gray areas where you're not following the laws totally, but you're not really breaking them.
0: No, you know, I know you can put mileage as a business expense, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to, I mean, I'm assuming you have to drive the car yourself if you put yeah. as a business expense. Uh, um, yeah. It was just something that came to mind as uh, as kind of funny. But yeah, no, I yeah. mean, it's very
1: dodgy, I think, to report miles that other people drive, your clients drive. Yeah, and this is one of those things where depending on who I talk to, like I own a business, and I've got people who say, oh, you could be claiming this, and you could do this, and you could have this off the books. And I'm like, uh ah, up to a point I'm willing to kind of play dodgy, but we all have our parameters. But to me, the money's in the gray areas. You know, if, if you're just following the laws like exactly the way they are, yeah, you're going to really restrict yourself there's a lot of gray in the world and most people are, it's all digital now it's yes or no black or white on or off and it's all about the grays to me
0: you told me that you're looking to sell your home in portland because of all the regulations and reinvest the money somewhere else where are you thinking
1: yeah so this is where we get into all other subject. you know like how do i figure that out so nashville tennessee seems like so air dna Most of you people probably know about that, and you probably know other ones. I'm not aware of any other ones, but they have a really sophisticated software where you can go into just about any city and find out exactly what rents there, what the laws are like, what the demands are. It is kind of expensive, but that would be interesting to get a bunch of us to actually get a subscription and to pay for it as a group. But uh, so you can get a lot of data with them. So for me personally, I'm in Portland, right? I grew up in New York and I live down in L.A., the beach towns in L.A. So Columbia, Medellin, I mean, that's uh, I think you know about it more than I do. That's probably not going to be a vacation rental because some of the things you found out. But that's where I'm going in September. And that's a whole other conversation. The digital nomad niche, which is really amazing how a certain number of people have picked up on Getting groups of people together and hosting them in incredible houses and having a workstation and then people who know the area that can take you around. So, the sweet spot for me is going to places where I either know somebody there already or somebody's going to be able to lay out a map for me of what, you know, the things that I love. So, I'm 72, but I'm also really active and I'm kind of a hippie performance artist, dancer. So, I need to have ecstatic dance and other things where I'm going. So, I'm looking at Spain and Portugal. So international living is a resource for people who like to travel. They're amazing. And real estate trend alert is one of their subsections. So I get alerts of the sweet spots of places where you can invest and get great buys on a property. So Spain and Portugal are big in terms of opportunities where the banks there are so far behind and. Houses that went south during the last recession, literally like 10 years ago, and they're still on the bank charts, but they're only now starting to get rid of them. Actually, we're on the the end of that whole thing, but where you could pick something up for a song, and yeah, so those are the areas I'm looking at. And then Africa, Africa's pretty amazing, but once you, again, you're talking about, uh, you know. I went over there with the digital nomad group, uh, Southern Africa, we went to six countries and ended up in Cape Town beautiful areas and uh, some opportunities.
0: I can imagine for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the dog city. That kind of fascinates me. You, you said you've stayed at like
1: some pretty expensive homes by looking after their dogs. Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple of websites, trustedhousesitters.com and housecarers.com. There's another one called Rover, I think. Rover is more money-oriented. So the sweet spot is they put up their house. You can either put up your house and your dogs or your cats or any animals, really, and what you're looking for. So if somebody lives like Oak Ridge is part of Berkeley in California, I stayed there for three weeks taking care of some folks' dog. And they can't afford the people who live in their area to take care of their dog. It would be too expensive. So if they find me, I'm happy to come down and have a beautiful place to stay in an area that I love. So they get me for free and I get a free place to stay. And so you can go on the website, you can pick a city and see what's available. Once again, this is one of those things where what's your, what's your sweet spot in terms of your talents and abilities? So you have to like animals for sure. I train dogs for a living and I don't know. This is one of those things, Jasper, you never know, right? For some reason, a lot of if it's a really sweet spot like Mill Valley or Venice Beach, there's like 50 people who are applying. And they pick me and I'm like, what? And I think there's something about an old dude. They figure I'm not gonna ruin anything. I'm not gonna party there. And I was a dog trainer, I had a dog kennel. So I have got some pictures of me with dogs and uh, I do have to say I'm probably on the top of the percentiles in terms of my ability to be with dogs and cats and other animals. But if you like dogs or cats and you can present yourself as a likable person, there's real opportunities there.
0: Awesome. Well, it's funny because I was just discussing with my flatmates here in Barcelona and thinking about getting a dog. The world travel quite a lot, so we'd have to find somebody to look after the dog uh, while we're away, but I guess we could use a, a website like you, you mentioned.
1: Yes. So I have a cat. I'm a, I'm a pet person, right? And I would love to have a dog, but like you were saying, I travel a lot. It's a lot harder to get somebody to take care of a dog than a cat. So I have a cat and I have staff and so my sweet spot has been my business i totally optimized my place jasper so i fixed up my house i made the garage into an adu and in my i do over two million dollars a year on amazon and and e-commerce and it's in my carport i've got two guys that are at my carport doing the business so this place is totally optimized and yeah so they take care of my cat when I'm gone.
0: <laughs> Wait, did you say that you're you're shipping products from from your garage on Amazon? Are you doing two million a year?
1: Well, Amazon is a complicated beast, so you can do that, but the sweet spot is to use their warehouses. Yeah, so we ship everything that we sell into their warehouses, and they ship it from there.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's an older uh, topic. I know there's a lot of people making uh, good money on Amazon, and it's a great. It's a great job because it allows you to travel. You can run it from your laptop pretty much, right?
1: Yes, and that's a great conversation. So on the one hand, I think everybody should have an Amazon seller account because just living your life, you, everybody has certain things they know a lot about and stores that they go to every day. And there's probably 10 things in that store that you could pick up and buy and resell on Amazon and make your grocery money for sure. When you start to scale at the level that I'm doing at, so two million dollars on Amazon, you know what my net margin was last year, net profit? Thirty seven thousand. That's absurd. That's like one point seven percent or something. It's just absurd. So it's all about scaling, you know, and knowing what your numbers are. So this year we're gonna reduce our gross sales and increase our gross profits. So it's a big game. And it's a complicated game. And I think a lot of people are losing money and don't even know it because there's so many hidden charges and they suspend people on a whim. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy world. And so as with most things that are crazy, there's good things and bad things. And you just have to find the sweet spot.
0: Awesome, man. Well, uh, I love how you're trying out all these different things and how you're doing a lot of things with technology in order to... uh you know, to enrich your life, uh, allow you to travel, especially at your age. I think that's really inspiring. So that's really cool. Is there anything anything you wanted to share with the audience before I let you go?
1: Oh, yeah. I just wish you all the best and don't listen to anybody. It's one of those things that if you're talking to somebody who really knows things, they're always going to tell you, try it out. This is my experience and you should try it out. I get sucked into thinking people know more than I do. So there's all these gurus and people who are teaching and they don't know what they're talking about. The story about the gold mine, who made money during the gold rush? The people who sold the shovels. (laughs) So yeah, beware of the teachers out there who are teaching stuff that isn't true anymore. Trust your gut, but then small steps and, be aware of the gray area. Take a risk, but not too big a risk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it.
0: All right, John, thank you so much uh, for joining. And it's been really interesting and good luck with everything. And uh, if you, if you're going to Colombia, let me know. I know a few people there um, as well as in Spain and Portugal. also actually, so uh, I'd love to get
1: some updates on uh, what
0: your plans are with regarding your uh, short-term rental business and your investments there.
1: Yes, Jasper, I really appreciate all that you offer to all of us. And thank you. I hope to meet you someday soon. Yeah.
0: Sure. That would be great. And uh, why don't you share your website with the audience? uh...
1: Healthy Happy Long Life. So www.healthyhappylonglife.com. And then that's the name of my store on Amazon also. We sell a ton of Nike stuff. So if you're looking for shoes, we're, right now we're doing back-to-school stuff. So if you've got kids and you're looking for back-to-school stuff, yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. I'll check it out. All right, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And to all listeners, thanks for listening. And the next Thursday, of course, another episode. So make sure you listen to it. Goodbye. Get pay for your pet